like in the years, I don't know where this started, maybe y'all have heard, it seems like uh, since I've been in church, or of course I've been in church all my life, but uh, have, you, have you ever heard that usually death comes in the, the way of three? Isn't that something? Something, isn't it? And, uh, and I seen two folks at the funeral home tonight, and he looked at me and I looked at him, I said, it's good to see you. He said, yeah, it's good to see you. And... Uh, we were standing there in a funeral home. And I looked at him. I said, you know what? One of these days, it's going to be us. Amen. And he went, yeah, you're right. This is a sobering thought. You, you think you're, this is, I don't, I'm not trying to be morbid, but you ever thought, is your casket already made? Is mine already made? It's a pretty interesting thought, isn't it? Very interesting. And uh, thank the Lord, um, we got a mouth to use right now, but one of these days it's going to get silenced, amen? We're not going to be able to talk anymore. not going to be able to, to praise the Lord and sing anymore, so we better try to do it now, amen? Amen. Would you open your precious Bible to the book of Jonah, to the book of Jonah, the book of Jonah. We're going to finish up tonight, Lord willing. And we have uh, done a series of messages. We've started in Jonah chapter 1, verse 1, and now we're in Jonah chapter 4. We're going to get the rest of the story. Now, I'm going to tell you, if I did not read this, and not read it myself, that this was in the Word of God, I'm just going to be honest with you, I wouldn't, couldn't hardly believe it. I really, I'm being honest, I couldn't hardly believe it that this prophet, the last portion that we're going to hear about this man ends this way. So, you know what's taking place. We've looked at the whole book. And in chapter 4, we started on it last week. Notice what the Bible says in verse 1 of chapter 4. Now, the great revival just took place. I mean, the whole city of Nineveh has got right with God. People got saved. I mean, everybody's heart got right, the Bible says, from the youngest to the oldest to the least to the greatest. But listen, here's the sad part. The only one that it didn't change was Jonah. And he was the preacher. That's a lesson. But let's look at chapter 4, verse 1. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. Therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Now that's bad. Keep reading with me, it gets worse. Then said the Lord, Doest thou well to be angry? 
So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city. And there made him a booth and sat under it in the shadow till he might see what would become of the city. And the Lord God prepared a gourd and made it to come up on over Jonah that it might be a shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. So Jonah was exceeding glad of the gourd. Now notice it didn't say he was exceedingly thankful. He was glad of the gourd. But God prepared a worm when the morning rose the next day and it smote the gourd that it withered. It came to pass when the sun did arise that God prepared a vehement east wind and the sun beat upon the head of Jonah that he fainted and wished in himself to die and said it is better for me to die than to live. God asked him the same question again and God said to Jonah, doest thou well to be angry for the gourd? And he said, I do well to be angry, even to death. Now I want you to think, this is him talking to God. God's asking him a question, and boy, Jonah's answering it honestly, but I'm going to tell you right now, very arrogantly. Here's what, can I, can I, I believe the Bible does itself justice, but can I give you a little bit of summary of how it in our language today? Here's what he would have said. Uh, he's basically saying, yeah, I'm angry and I'm happy about it. That's what he said to God. Yes, suit me just fine that I'm angry. That's what he said to God. He said it twice. Then notice this. He said, I do well to be angry. Verse 10. Then said the Lord, thou hast pity on the gourd for the which thou hast not labored, neither madest it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should I, should not I spare Nineveh, that great city wherein are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand and also much cattle? Heavenly Father, I pray you'll help us now. Open our eyes. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know about you, but boy, he really hates these people. <laughs> Jonah really hated these people, man. I, he disliked these people. He couldn't stand them. And by the way, I can't imagine a Christian can't stand other people. That's amazing to me. So I want to just say this. If a prophet of God can have the wrong attitude, so can we. And I want to just say, uh, he didn't like these people. It's very clear. We know it through the whole story because he didn't want to go in the first place. He got out of the will of God now that he went, finally did what God told him to do, they've all gotten saved. And the Bible says he's exceedingly sorrowful. He's angry about it. It's amazing to me. So I want you to notice some attitudes here. Number one, there's an intolerant attitude. Notice what the Lord says in this verse. Then said the Lord, doest thou well to be angry? And here's what he said. He said, yeah, I do well being angry. In other words, he said, yeah, I'm angry and it's good for me and I'm glad that I am. That's what he said. Can you imagine talking to God like that? After putting in perspective how patient, how loving, how merciful he's been to Jonah. How good he's been to him. And because of his intolerant attitude, now he's looking at God and saying, yeah, I'm perfectly fine 
acting this way and having this attitude. Yeah, I'm angry. And let me give you a reason why I'm angry. He already did that in the prayer. He already blamed God for his problem because he basically said, because you're so good, he said it's the same thing. He said, I don't understand why I had to go through what I went through, but yet you saved. You didn't, you didn't destroy all these people of Nineveh. So he has an intolerant attitude. Look, God has been merciful. God has been gracious. He's been slow to anger. He's been plenteous in mercy to Jonah. And Jonah still remains disgusted in his spirit. You know, I believe that uh, someone said many years ago, attitude determines your altitude. The Bible talks about a man's spirit. That means someone's attitude. The attitude about life. The attitude about the goodness of God. The attitude about, look, in this particular situation, the salvation of people's lives. This whole city was saved. He didn't want it saved. He wanted it destroyed. He wanted these people to pay for what he thought how evil they were. And understand, I understand that to a point because we're not near as merciful or as loving as God. But I want you to know, God loved the Ninevites. So we understand Jonah is of no value at this moment in God's work. I want you to think about that. Do you know that we can get ourselves in such a bad attitude that we are of no value in the work of God? That's a scary thing. By the way, he's done preaching, but to be fair, how in the world can the Lord use this man at this moment? This man is went outside, basically camped outside of a city that's rejoicing and having revival, and he's out there hoping that God puts judgment on him. Complete opposite of what God's heart was. And so I want you to understand, Jonah is of no value to the work of God. And I want you to know, I think one of the saddest things in all of this society, in all of this world, if we ever get to have such a bad, pitiful, critical, selfish attitude, we also have no business in the work of God. I'm going to be honest with you. I think it's a dangerous thing about this evil spirit that Jonah has, especially after he's just seen this blessing. I believe that's why God, I'm going to be honest, I believe that's why God tried to console him with this gourd and I believe he's trying to help him here to get him up out of his attitude that he has. Because he realizes this depths of despair that Jonah has gotten to. Jonah was in danger of, of honestly, could you imagine turning him loose with the attitude that he had? Could you imagine how much, can you imagine how much damage he could do? <laughs> You know, the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 8 says, A scornful man bring a city into a snare. Now, I want you all to understand that phrase there. One man, one person with a critical spirit can bring a whole city. Can you imagine what one person with a critical spirit can do to a church? By the way, I want to encourage all of y'all, and I know this is Wednesday night crowd, but just to be fair with you and me, if Jonah can have this attitude, all of our Wednesday night crowd can have this attitude. So I'm going to ask you and me, before we walk in this door, check our attitudes. Get them right outside the door. 
Because I'm going to tell you something right now. The Bible says scornful men bring a city into a snare. And so if scornful men can bring a whole city into a snare, I can promise you this, one scornful lady or one scornful man can bring a church to its knees. Somebody say amen. And by the way, you say, Pastor, you preach to me. No, I'm preaching to me. We are all capable of having the wrong attitude. Let's watch it. Get it checked at the door. Can I say, he had, an, he had an intolerant attitude. And this really, this is unbelievable to me. I can't believe this. This is Jonah. But it's quite a lesson, isn't it? I mean, it's a lesson for all of us. Talking to God like that. Yeah, I'm mad. I'm angry. And I have every right to be God. That's what he said. What an intolerant attitude. Then can I say, not only an intolerant attitude, I want you to notice a bitter attitude. He bitter. I mean bitter about it. Uh, think about it. Jonah built these bars around him. In other words, he, 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 here's what he said to God. Yes, I'm angry. It does me well to be angry. But see, when he first started out, I can promise you this, he wasn't planning on getting that way. But see, when you play with that kind of an attitude, when we kind of play with that kind of a sin and have that and tinker with that kind of an attitude, we normally don't stop it. What happens is it's like a boa constrictor. And what happens is it starts tightening in our lives. Pretty soon it becomes a, it becomes an attitude really of a prison that we built ourselves. We put the bar around ourselves by just simply giving ourselves a right to have the wrong kind, bitter, nasty, intolerant attitude. And we excuse ourselves to be like that. But pretty soon what happens is, is we build ourselves inside of a prison that it's hard to get out. When I think about this bitter attitude, Here's what happens. Normally, Jonah was at a place where, to be quite honest, he probably didn't even recognize where he was. But this thing had such a grip on him, it was hard for him to get free from the grasp of this bitter attitude that he had. And by the way, you know what I'm talking about. If you're ever around somebody and they, they just have that kind of an attitude about life, it's like they don't even recognize that they're like that. And then if you try to tell them, watch out. We need to watch our attitude. I'm going to be honest with you. It amazes me that he answered God this way. And the Lord asked him, Doest thou well to be angry? What kind of an attitude would answer God this way? Yeah. I'm just fine acting like this and being this way. Now, on the front end of that, say, oh, man, he's your base. But think about what he's just said. He said he's fine being in this kind of an attitude, and a whole city just got saved. You know what another lesson it teaches me? When you have this kind of an attitude, and I have this kind of an attitude going on in life, we don't see any of the blessings. All we want to do is maximize the bad stuff. And we miss... The, the great blessings right in our life. So we see that he was a, it was certainly a bad attitude. Can I say an intolerant attitude? Now let's look at this. Let's look at his indignation. I mean, he's mad. Look at verse 5. So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city, and there made him a booth and sat under it in the shadow till he might see what would... 
happens. Can you imagine? I mean, this is like he just went and preached. He just seen him repent. Now he's going to go outside the city hoping God will do something bad to him. Can you imagine the selfishness of that? See, here's what's amazing to me looking through this life of Jonah. The selfish disobedience that's easily seen in chapter 1 is still carrying on right here in the last of this chapter. As we close, I'm going to tell you something. Here's the thing that I've learned. Jonah ain't changed from chapter 1 to now. Chapter 1. What was it? Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Adam, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee into Tarshish. Now he's done, finally, after God's work in his heart, got him to go where he needs to go. Now that God's blessing has fallen, he's camped outside of that city, hoping that everything he did would be redone. And God would judge these people. So think about it. I want you to notice this selfishness in his life. Look, nothing really has changed in Jonah's heart. Someone might say, well, he had a foxhole conversion or he had a foxhole prayer. I believe. And by the way, that prayer in the belly of that fish was powerful. I believe in that moment, he meant everything he prayed. He meant everything he said. I believe that. But I believe that his heart was not completely repentant. It was not completely where it needed to be. Because now we see him in the last of this chapter. He's worse than what he was in chapter 1. What's happened? Well, we see this indignation. He's mad. He's angry. Because he didn't get his way. He didn't think none of us should be spared. He went begrudgingly. But can I say, this selfish disobedience It's so easily seen right here. And now it's like defiant that he's just looking at God saying, yeah, I'm angry and I'm perfectly fine being angry. So what are some things that we see because of this indignation? Number one, one thing that I've noticed missing in Jonah's life that should be a strength in his life is he has a lack of joy. The joy of the Lord is our You know what? Do you know who I get concerned about? I get concerned about a Christian that's never joyful. And I'm going to be honest with y'all. I run into them from time to time. And I'm going to tell y'all, if what y'all have is so strenuous that you can never be happy about it, you got the wrong thing. Somebody say amen. I know I've shared this with y'all before. I went, I, 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 I made our children go to a camp one time. And by the way, I mean, if that's the only mistake... Um, Laura and I did, made him go to a Christian camp. You know, I guess, I mean, you know. But it was a little different flavor than what our camps are and probably my camp. But here's the amazing thing. We went there on Friday, and I I know I've told y'all this before, there was not one woman on that camp that I ever seen smile. Not one. But I'm going to tell y'all right now, they had all their T's crossed. They had all their eyes dotted. They had all of the strong personal standards a person could have. But they didn't have any joy. Something's wrong somewhere. Somebody say man. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And man, Jonah, look at him. He hasn't had joy in this whole book. 
in Nineveh. You know how I know that? Because in the revival that took place in Acts chapter 8, the Bible says when Philip went down there and preached and people got saved, in Acts chapter 8, here's what the Bible says, and there was great joy in that city. By the way, if y'all seen Revival Day, would y'all be happy about it? Absolutely. I would hope everybody here would be excited and have joy if they just seen a move of God. Jonah just seen a whole city turn back to God, yet he has no joy. Think about it. Countless thousands, no doubt, was rejoicing. But here sat Jonah. Well, that ain't the way that was supposed to go. Well, that ain't the way that was. That's not the way I wanted it. I didn't have control over that. So I'm going to sit here and I'm going to watch this city and I hope God, they'll finally do something to get on God's nerves so he'll strike them down. What a shame. Y'all ain't never seen any Christians like that, have you? With no joy? He was sitting there hoping for judgment to fall. Well, I hope they get theirs. Come on now. Let's smoke some out here tonight. Let's go ahead and get honest here. Well, I'll tell you right now, they got what they deserved. Now I know all of your line. Y'all ain't never talked like that. Well, let's hear it. Amen. Yep. Well, who do they think they are? Boy, it's quiet. That's what he was doing. He was sitting there going. Now, I don't know about y'all. Y'all know I've seen that before to be able to do it so well. Oh, I've seen them in churches, boy. Sitting there, and if I could put something over top of their head, if I, I could fry an egg, it's so hot. Well, why? They didn't get their way. By the way, you say, Pastor, how do you know that's true? Well, I'm human too. But look, here's the amazing thing about it. Jonah was a prophet. And yet he is feeling this way. So we know of Jonah. By the way, all the Scripture is given for our learning. So we understand that if Jonah can fall to this horrible attitude and have a lack of no joy, so could us. And so I want you to know something. He's sitting there on the side of the road waiting on something bad to happen and going to rejoice in it. Now, here's the problem. Jonah had a head knowledge. Are y'all with me? Jonah had a head knowledge of what was right. But look, y'all ready? This is powerful. But he had no heart to do what he knew was right. I'm so tired of hearing people say, oh, I know that, Pastor. Oh, I've heard that. Oh, I know that. Well, that doesn't do you any good. That's not what joy. Joy doesn't come because you know the truth. It doesn't help you or me to know the the, the truth. I mean, I'm glad we know the truth, but we're not going to be joyful because of what we know. Why? Because the Bible says knowledge puffeth up. Knowledge without action, knowledge without submission, knowledge without doing, puffeth up. 
We, we've, we've learned in this society, in our Christian culture, like, oh, I know that. Well, so in other words, we get a pass to completely ignore it and disregard it and disobey it. Oh, I know that. Oh, I know we know it. But it doesn't matter whether we know it. What are we doing with it? Jonah knew it. He went and preached. He preached the unpopular message. He knew it. But here's what's amazing. His heart had, did not have... He had a head knowledge, but his heart didn't have any desire for what he was doing. I want you to think about that. I wonder how much of us serve God because we know it's right to do, but our heart's not in it. Can I say, right here we learn that this, this knowledge puffeth up. Joy, y'all get this, joy is a result of what we do with those things that we know are true. Write it down. Joy comes from us doing what we know is true. Think about this. A lack of joy is always a result of a lack of disobedience or of obedience. It is a complete characteristic of being disobedient. It's a lack of joy. You mark her down. Lack of joy is always a result of a lack of obedience. If someone has a lack of joy, there's more than likely a lack of obedience to God's truth and to God's word. We can cover it. We can excuse it. We can say anything we want to. But I'm telling you right now, the reason Jonah was in the mess that he was in and he had the attitude of no joy is because he was disobeying what he knew was right. So... He had a lack of joy, but I'll tell you what he did have. He certainly had a lingering of jealousy. Look at it here. He's still upset in his mind that God didn't treat him fairly. That, that's, what, that's why he's upset. He's sitting here thinking, look, why should I have to suffer through all these things? I had to go through the belly of a fish. I had to be vomited up on dry land. And why did Nineveh, in his mind, here's what he thought. Why did Nineveh get off scot-free? Can I just make another application, and I think a lesson right here that I think is something. I've tried to teach parents this for years, you know, especially with teenagers. For instance, I believe there's a difference between a Christian understanding the importance of influence than a lost person. For instance, years ago, and we still try with our teenagers, we ask our teenagers to do certain things, to act a certain way, and maybe even dress a certain way. And they're like, and here's what I can understand. One of those teenagers kind of me, well, why can't we dress like so-and-so? And that's just a little thing. But see, here's what I realize about things. I think a Christian ought to realize there's a higher standard for your life than a lost person. I mean, that's just common sense. Why would God expect Nineveh to know what Jonah knew? They were lost. So here Jonah, it just shows you where Jonah's heart was. He's sitting there upset with God because he's like, why did they get off scot-free? Well, first of all, they weren't saved. They didn't know. Jonah knew when he got in that ship. Jonah knew when he went down into that ship that he was going the wrong way. Those people of Nineveh didn't know any better. But God showed Jonah just as much mercy as he did Nineveh. Now listen, I, I want you all to understand me. That principle, we, we, 
And that's just the principle I think people know. Like, for instance, not, and, and let me just say this. It's not about dress. If that's all you cut out of that, you missed it. It, it has to do with Christians should understand their influence, the way you talk, the way you walk, the way you live is a different standard than lost people. Because, for instance, the lost people are just living in the dark. They're stumbling around in the dark. They don't care. Most of them don't care what you think. But a Christian should realize God doesn't hold us to a higher standard as far as salvation. But He wants us to grow in grace to realize that our the way we live, the way we conduct ourselves has influence on other people. Amen. So that was just an illustration. But I've seen it before. Well, why don't my son get to do so and so? Well, okay. Well, first of all, you ought to be thankful that your son has been taught different than that. And just because that lost person's doing it shouldn't give us. And by the way, if we and by the way, I'm going to give all of you parents a little a little tip. They're going to try you. But I hope that we have some parents that are a little bit more discerning spiritually than that. Because I want to tell you something. It does matter how our church treats people. Everybody is 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 invited everybody's welcome but i want you to know something our influence is so important i'll say this on the other end there has been times we've had visitors walk in this door and i've had somebody go up to them i haven't they've done it on their own and they've went up and they've said things to visitors that should never be said i've always told y'all this Christians ought to have wisdom and discernment. And I was talking to someone the other day, and by the way, we ought to get to know our visitors, but can I just encourage this just a little tip? Don't go and ask them everything about their life the first time you meet them. First time they walk in here. I mean, you know, don't, well, where, well, where'd you come? Where you, what, 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 no, just say, hey, and here's what I normally do. Hey, are you, do you live here in the area? So see, when they say yes, I realize then, okay, they're looking for a church. So from that point on, I want to be careful. And you know what? We just let the Lord work there. But I want to say our influence is so important. But here's what's amazing. He's got jealous. He's sitting there saying, God, you're not treating them the same. Well, certainly he didn't treat. He didn't treat Nineveh the same. He didn't. Nineveh was lost. Jonah was the prophet. He was a Christian. Jonah knew better. Nineveh didn't. But again, don't miss this. God still gave him just as much mercy, grace, kindness, and love as he did the Ninevites. Y'all hear me? So he's jealous. Then we notice this. He's looking for judgment. What would become of the city? He's sitting there wondering what... What's Jonah waiting for? He's waiting on God to judge him. He wants judgment to fall on this city that he just preached to and just got saved. And by the way, he has, he has personally received the mercy of God in his own life. God has been kind to him, but he cannot bring himself to believe that God is going to spare this city. Can I say this and I'll close? 
He had another attitude. It was one of ingratitude. Look at the whole chapter there, starting with verse 6. The Bible says he prepared a gourd. He made it to come up. Notice the wording there. I read it earlier. See, he missed it. That gourd was an object lesson. God allowed that gourd to appear to teach Jonah something, and I hope at the end he finally got it. The way it's left, the Lord finishes talking here. But here's what's amazing. I think Jonah misunderstood the lesson. The gourd was a picture of God's mercy on Nineveh. The gourd was a picture that he loved Nineveh. In other words, he said, you love this gourd. You appreciated this gourd. You had pity on this gourd that it died. And you didn't even do anything with it. He said, can you not imagine? I'm the one that created these people. All of these people, these over 6,000 people, Six score thousand people. He said, I love them. I gave everything for them. And you got upset over a gourd. Does it not make sense to you that I had pity on all these people and who I created? Great object lesson. I get it. But he was so ungrateful, he didn't get it. Maybe he did before the end of the chapter, before the end of the book. I hope so. But Jonah apparently feels that God, he's got like a chip on his shoulder, like God owes him something. Can I say this? He don't really deserve, he don't have to do anything for us. He's already done it. How many of y'all are saved? Well, let's take him off trial then. Because he's done for me what I can never do for myself. He's done enough for me. I get to go to heaven. Hey, I want you to know something. We don't deserve His grace, yet He gave us His grace. He, look, He's more glad to give it to those that are grateful for such a gift. Here's what the Bible says. God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. And then as I close, I see something here missing. I want you to check this whole book and later on, maybe tonight, it won't take you long, there's only four chapters. I want you to read the book and I want you to carefully read it and I want you to look for this particular thought. Look through the whole book and see if you can find one little time where Jonah is ever thankful. I want you to read it over and tell me if you find it. One time in the whole book that he was thankful for anything. Read it. But I'm going to go ahead and give you fast forward. You won't. It's missing. And by the way, it's missing in this generation too. He wasn't thankful for God's will in his life. Hey, he wasn't thankful for God's, uh, thankful for the chastisement that God brought to him because that storm was for his good. He wasn't thankful for the fish. Hey, he certainly wasn't thankful uh, uh, for the revival in Nineveh. Can you imagine? I mean, Brother Larry, you Brother Market, I mean, if you're a preacher, I mean, you want to be used of God, don't you? I mean, when you get up and preach, wouldn't it be amazing you preach and God would use such a vessel that he would save a whole city and turn a whole city up for God? I'm going to be honest with you right now. I'd be thankful for that. I'd be humbled, I'd be overwhelmed, I'd be shocked. But yet there's not one thing in here where Jonah is said that he's thankful for a revival. He's upset about it. 
He, he's not even thankful for the gourd. He never said, thank you Lord for the gourd. He only got mad when it went away. Now, quickly, and I'm going to go to the book of Romans. As I was studying for this message, something hit me. This is powerful. I want to tell you how important being thankful and having a grateful heart, how important it is. Y'all know in Romans chapter 1, that's like this list of, I mean, just godless stuff. Godless people. I mean, all the way through this, there's despicable sins that starts in verse 26 in Romans chapter 1. The Bible says, For this cause God gave them up into the affections for even their women to change the natural use into which against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving their natural use of the woman, burned their lust one toward another. Men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meat. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to reprobate mind. I mean, that's a bad thing. That's a bad place to be. But I learned something. Where did it start? What was the root cause? What was the sin? Where does all of this kind of attitude start? Look at verse 21. Because that, when they knew God, ooh, listen to me church, they glorified Him not as God. What's those next few words? Neither were thankful. Listen to me. Jonah is in a bad place and where did it all start? He was not thankful. There's not one place in this whole book, this whole story of Jonah, where he was thankful. He wasn't thankful for the revival. He wasn't thankful for the storm. He wasn't thankful that God spared his life. He wasn't thankful for the gourd. He only got mad. And by the way, he certainly wasn't thankful to his Savior. They glorified him not as God, neither were thankful. A disobedient spirit, listen to me now, y'all get it, is an ungrateful spirit. And boy, I'm going to tell y'all right now, that has been so minimized today. This thing of being ungrateful, just showing thanks, being considerate, being thankful, being considerate, being thankful, being considerate. I mean, why didn't Jonah thank God that he spared his life? You know what else he wasn't thankful for? He never one time thanked. And the word of the Lord came into Jonah the second time. He wasn't even thankful that God gave him a second chance. And then we wonder why Jonah's life ended that way. I'm going to tell you why. He was ungrateful. Now here's, our, here's, here's where it lays with us. We all can become so ungrateful. And it is so predominant in this society today. I mean predominant. And sadly, it's sweeping through the Christian ranks. Other things have become more important. Other things have become so vital in the Christian life. But I want to tell you all something. If we don't have an attitude of gratitude, all we're going to have is an attitude. That's weightier than a lot of other things that people think is a big deal. By the way, you show me a person that's ungrateful, I'm going to show you a person that's going to be disobedient really quick. Those two things I've learned reading the Bible and just living life, those two things go hand in hand.
Ungrateful and disobedience. Ungrateful and disobedience. Because you know why? The devil feeds on that stuff. Oh, you're missing out on all this. Oh, you've lived such a sheltered life and you've not been able to do this. Okay, well go ahead and get out there and do all of those things. Don't be thankful how you tried to be raised. Don't be thankful for being able to be in a church. Don't be thankful that people spent all night of their lives praying for you. Go ahead. Don't be thankful. Do your own thing. But I'm going to promise you right now, it's going to end up being disobedient. Somebody say amen. Neither were thankful. Neither were thankful. Y'all know what? I think we need a revival of just being thankful. I think we need to have Thanksgiving Day every day. How many of y'all glad you saved? Have y'all told him today? How many times have you thanked him? Or are we like Jonah? We have a chip on our shoulder like, God, you owe me that. No, he don't owe us anything. He don't owe us anything. We deserve hell. Grateful every day. I was laying in a bedroom, broken, a middle bedroom of a house. And I'm going to be honest with you, my life was a mess. <laughs> I was laying there on that bed and I, I, here's what I was doing. I was thinking about everything that was not fair. And I was sitting there on that bed, laying there thinking, I don't deserve this. I did that for weeks. I was a miserable person. But guess what? I started listening to preaching. <laughs> My brother-in-law turned me on to some preaching, man. I mean, he started funneling. And that was back in the old archaic days when you had them uh, cassette tapes. And man, I couldn't get enough of them. Every time I see it, it was like we were, uh, like we were uh, trading drugs or something, man. I was so excited. I couldn't wait to get around Mike. Was, I'd see, got any new sermons for me? Man, he just funneled them sermons to me. And I, it was like drugs to me. I mean, man, I was like, you got any more? And I listened to them things all day long, all night. You knew Mark Brandon was in Hinton because, man, in his truck, he didn't have rock music blaring. He had preachers blaring. I had it on all the time. If I was, at the, if I was in that house, I had that player on, and, man, that preaching was going on. And, by the way, a lot of them was Dr. Howells. But I was laying in that bed one night, and I was miserable. And, man, I was sitting there going, man, I tell you what, I don't deserve this, and this ain't fair. I was unthankful. But about that time, I kept hearing a good dose of Bible preaching, and the preacher kept saying, you deserve hell. You deserve hell. You deserve hell. You deserve hell. And I got, you know what, that started to click in my mind and realize, you know what, I deserve everything bad that happens to me, but the truth is it's the grace of God if anything good happens. You know what started happening in my heart and mind? Next thing you know, boy, I started to be thankful for the little things. And you know what? My life changed drastically. It's amazing what praising will do. Hallelujah. You know what? I've never seen one person praising God that's going, well, did you hear about Psalms? Well, I tell you what, this is the way I think it ought to be done. It's amazing what praising can do. Hallelujah. Can I help everybody here? How many of y'all thankful for your church? Listen to me. It's not perfect because we have a bunch of imperfect people and you certainly have an imperfect pastor. But I'm going to tell y'all right now, I've been around. Y'all ought to be thankful and I'm thankful. You say, oh, pastor, there's probably better ones out there. Well, I ain't found it yet. I haven't. Because y'all know what? If I found it, I certainly wouldn't be here. I'm thankful for our church. 
And I'm going to tell you all something right now. If you ever get to a place of where you're not thankful for it, you go get in trouble. And by the way, so Pastor, what are you trying to do, keep people? No. You might need to go. And that might be something you need to do, but you ought to always be thankful how the Lord worked in your life here. Somebody say amen. So let's be thankful. No matter what happens, as I'll tell you right now, you look, you look at it. You read the book of Jonah. A miserable man. God help us. He was saved. Just not thankful. Can we be thankful for the little things? Caleb, you mind me using something with you just real quick? No more clothes. Kaylee, all through her life as a child, she'd keep a journal. And before she'd go to bed every night, she would write down two or three things every day. Am I right? Every day she'd write down something she's thankful for. Every day. Without fail, Kaylee, and Kaylee, do you still do that? Yes, she still does it. Every day. Now, I've never snooped in on your stuff. But I can't say I don't know what maybe one little night that you put something down there, but I didn't snoop. You catch my drift? But it was told to me, and here's what it was. It said, you know what's a blessing? Sometimes it was the smallest of things that nobody would think about. Maybe it was just like, you know what? I liked my dress today. I'm thankful for my dress today. You know what would help all of us if we start finding the little things to be thankful for? And quit being so negative about stuff that we shouldn't be. Because if you look really hard, if I look really hard, there's plenty of us, plenty for things for us to be thankful about. Amen. Let's stand to our feet tonight and we'll close. Neither were thankful. Boy, Jonah was not thankful. God help us. Amen. With head bowed, eyes closed as we close tonight. Can I just ask, would you count your many blessings as you stand right there? Would you count your many blessings? Just start right now and then just start thanking him for them, will you? In your heart and mind, just start thanking him for his blessings. You got them? Just keep praying. We'll close as you're doing that. And let's leave tonight counting our blessings. (coughs) Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. Lord, I pray you'll help us. Please. Help us to be grateful and thankful people for you. I know not everything in life is the way we want it. But Lord, if everything down here was the way we want it, heaven wouldn't be so special. So Lord, I pray you'll help us to be grateful for all the things you've done for us. Keep it on the forefront of our minds and hearts. We thank you in Jesus' name and all God's people said. God bless you.